You're listening to Left of the Dial. I am your host, Kitsy, and with me today, as always, is everyone's favorite, Caleb Coy. Caleb Coy! Oh! <laughs> as though there were choices. There are. <laughs> there are many I, choices. Always, I mean, uh, as you and I have discussed, like I, I genuinely believe that there are other copies of me floating around out there from various other timelines, but like, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued to meet, like, a like not alternate timeline Caleb Coy, like someone whose parents just also named them Caleb Coy. There's got to be at least one out there, right? I feel like probably, but you know, I've I've never encountered them. Well, if if the other one of the other Caleb Coys is listening, uh, tweet at us. We'd love to meet you. <laughs> but uh, today we have uh, a very special episode for y'all. We have uh, the band Bakai here as our our guests of honor today. Uh, you just heard uh, one of the singles off of their new record called Pleasure Vision, which is coming out March 6th on Get Better Records. We'll have a uh, pre-order link down in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. But uh, Bakai, welcome. Thank you so much for being on our show. Um, do y'all want to just go around and introduce yourselves, uh, who you are, what you do in the band, and your pronouns if, uh, if you choose to do so? Okay. Uh, thanks for having us, John and Caleb. Um, I'm Katie. I'm the singer and keyboardist of Bakai. Hi, I'm I'm Andrew. I'm the guitarist. I'm Eileen. Uh, I play drums, and I go by she/her pronouns. Oh yeah, I, I met Andrew again, and I use he/him pronouns. Hi, I'm Rena. I play bass, and I use she/her or they. All right. Well, uh, so we're here to talk about your new record that's coming out. But first, uh, you all have picked uh, a record that you love to talk about. Why don't you tell us what you picked uh, and a little bit about why you picked it? Sure. Um, we picked the Pixies uh, album Doolittle, and um, I think we, if for all four of us, it was a really, um, it made a huge, a really big impression on us. Uh, you know, listening to it in high school, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I it was it. one of the one of the <laughs> first kind of. <laughs> that's all we got. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it was one of the first like alternative albums I got into as a as a youth kind of coming off of I don't know radio rock. Yeah, yeah. coming off of coming you off know, of butt rock. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Previously, I was very into what they the rock that they played on TRL, like Corn and Limp Biscuit. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, getting into Pixies really represented like turning towards alternative music for me and kind of discovering that I could kind of pick my own music to be interested in and, you know, not just play what I, not just listen to what I heard on the radio or TRL. <laughs> yeah, pretty much same. Like, and the Pixies, like this whole album just kind of like ranges through different types of genres. And I never really like had got introduced to a band that did that like successfully. So I feel mm-hmm. like this is a really good representation of just not sticking within one type of genre and like just doing whatever you want. And it's, I feel like the most flawless album from start to finish. So I'm very excited that we picked this. I love the the point that you said about like this being like the, the first thing that I got to like really choose for myself. Cause that, that is such a great feeling when like you start to establish like your own like taste and identity in music. Yeah. I, uh, I grew so. up listening to my parents' music, which is like hippie shit, like the Grateful Dead, which was fine. But I remember listening to this, not until college, which is basically when I started listening to music on my own for the first time. And I remember feeling 
like very cool, I guess. <laughs> like walking down the street with pixies in my earbuds, like I felt like strutting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine Eileen yeah. doing that. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah, I think nice. I think the eclecticism thing really, you know, I think it, it's a natural choice for us as well, like because as a band we do try to do something kind of similar where we really like being able to do like a poppier song, a heavier song, and just kind of like whatever we feel like doing at the time. So I feel like it's very relevant to kind of the choices we make. And it's, you know, probably pretty formative seeing a band that was willing to be that kind of wide ranging and experimental and do all sorts of different stuff rather than being like, oh, we're a punk band and we have to play like this exact type of music. Like every song we make has to sound like that. Yep. Right. Yeah. And yep. Like, specifically as a bassist, I really, like, am drawn to the Pixies. I really love Kim Deal, and these were some of the first bass lines that I learned when I started playing bass four years ago, and um, I just think that she's an incredible bassist. I can say, like, I didn't take a ton of notes, uh, and this is going to be a little bit of a cop-out, but this being our first, like, guest uh, host episode, I really wanted to, like let us focus on y'all's reactions and opinions. But that's one of the things that really stuck out to me the most about a lot of these songs is how bass-driven they are. And uh, as a bassist myself, I can feel that. I think uh, f- for me, I, I think I, I kind of love um, Kim Deal as a bass player because she wasn't really a bass player when she joined the Pixies. It was just that, like, I think the story was, like, her sister had a bass and they needed a bass player, so she's like, yeah, I'll do it. And... Um, <laughs> And and I kind of love that because it's like, uh, it, you know, she kind of has this, her, her bass lines all just kind of have this vibe of like, you know, I don't really care what like I'm supposed to do as the bass player. I'm just going to do what I want because it sounds cool to me and fuck you if you don't like it. Yes. And I've always loved that about um, kind of her bass playing was just like, you, you know, a, a, you know, traditional or a, you know, more like, I don't want to say classically trained, but like you know, your typical rock bass player would probably do a lot of different things in those songs, and I think that would have not been as cool as what she ended up doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and Rena, you kind of like, I mean, not exactly the same kind of thing, but you kind of just decided like, hey, I'm going to start playing bass, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I maybe mean, like a year before we started this band? Yeah, like maybe like six months before I started yeah. this band. <laughs> oh, wow. And just kind of picked That's it up awesome. and got it as like yeah. a gift and um, started learning it and joined Hat Band, which is just a one-off, like, Girls Rock DC fundraiser. And we met through Hat Band. We were in the same band, Andrew and I. And Andrew was like, I'm doing this band with my roommates, Katie and Eileen. Like, I need a bassist. And then kind of asked the two people in the, in the Hat <laughs> Band that played bass. And I just jumped at the opportunity because I always wanted Rita to be was most enthusiastic. Yeah, super. <laughs> I, like, sent an email back to Andrew, like, less than 60 seconds after he <laughs> sent it. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be at practice this week. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> cool. So, uh, we should probably at this point listen to a song from Doolittle. So, what song do y'all want to, to, to talk about first? Like, Tame? Tame, yeah. Curveball? So, yeah, completely like underrated the most jam. Underrated. Like, yeah. Just yeah. And none of these were like any of the singles, which I Yeah, guess, which are really, good too, yeah, but... Like, I feel uh, like that says that's something a good about yeah. the record. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, can we do Tame? Yeah, we can do Tame. It has been decided.
I do love that the the list that you sent us of the records or of the songs of the record. I was like, none of these are the singles. Like none of these are the obvious choices. Like, and I love that. Yeah. We're just so cool, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, especially for a record like this that's been around for a long time, people have talked about it to death. It's like, yeah, I mean, I, we could talk about Debaser all day, but that that's been done, you know. Uh, so it's it's cool to talk about the uh, you know some of the lesser uh, lesser talked about tracks. Um, yeah, and so, from my perspective, like I knew uh, and like I know the Pixies, and I've definitely heard some of their songs, but like I missed out on a lot of stuff uh, in in my formative years that was like really big for other people. Uh, so this was actually my first time listening through this record, and there was a couple tracks. Where I was like, I didn't actually know this was the Pixies. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> so, That's cool. Uh, I especially like that the songs you picked were ones that I had never heard of, and it like really made me dig into stuff that like, all right, this is totally new ground for me. Oh, that's so exciting. That's <laughs> yeah. I yeah. can't imagine hearing these songs like and like really taking them in for the first time. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah that's it's awful. been so long. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you you only get to do that once. You know, that's a very special thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us about about Tame. What is it about that song that y'all picked that uh, stood out to you? Um, I just yeah, I think it's a severely underrated Pixies song, and I don't know. I like that it's like. It sounds kind of like an angry song, but it's kind of joyful. It's like kind of on the verge of being both. I don't know. I think it's sexy. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. sexy. Yeah. And the bass in it, it just makes me very, very happy. <laughs> and okay. the, the yes. vocal delivery. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like the way they like when they're like, ha, ha. Yeah. Oh. yeah, the, yeah. Breath, yeah. the, the breath. breathiness of yeah. it. Is. Yeah. It's like guess, rhythmic yeah. in a cool way. Yeah. I, I mean, guess it's, yeah. Even like the verse part, it sounds like he's like, singing it through like gritted teeth and like just like very on edge and just like kind of seething or I don't know what exactly but it's like very intense in a like pretty unique way it forces you to pay attention yeah yeah I think it's like the heaviest <laughs> song on the album too like in my opinion anyway and like like that really represents like the the kind of back and forth between like the poppier stuff and then this is just like just sounds like totally different from a lot of other stuff on it yeah and I'm not sure what part of it is, uh, if it's like basically the chorus or not, but there's uh, one part where there's just this like really kind of dissonant guitar part on the left side that just is like kind of at odds with the rest of the music. And like it just hits so hard and I love it because it's like it, it brings a, a new level of kind of creepiness to the song. <laughs> Very creepy. This was one of the songs that never really you know, I never really thought too much about it when I was really into this record um, a few years ago, almost 10 years ago now, I think, actually. I, I At one point, I moved to Boston and got really into the Pixies because that's the thing you do in your 20s, I guess. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, seems seems, <laughs> seems right. And uh, I, I never really gave this song too much attention because it's, um, you know, it's, it's right in between uh, Debaser and Wave of Mutilation, which are much more... I don't want to say like accessible songs, you know, they're, they're poppier. They've got good hooks and this one's just kind of like angry and loud and, uh, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I love that. And I love that it's sandwiched in between these two, you know, much poppier songs. Um, but you know, to me it was always kind of like, all right, you know, yell for a little bit and then I'll get back to like this song that's catchy and I kind of <laughs> eh, like it. But, uh, <laughs> 
but you know, on its own, it, it is it's it's a great song, and I'm I'm really glad that y'all picked it because it it gave me the I don't say the opportunity because I've had the opportunity you know my whole life, but um, it, it gave me the reason to listen to it in a new light and discover something new about it, and that was really cool. And like Rena's touched on, like this is a very bass heavy song, and that's the first thing that stuck out to me, like. Uh, the like intro and like verse parts are just like super super driven by the bass, and it's so important to the song that like if it weren't like that, it it would be a completely different song and probably not nearly as good. Yeah, personal opinion. Yeah, and like that aspect of it, uh, like the the fact that it's like the screamy song in between the poppy ones, it reminds me of like the first time I listened to a Nirvana album, like rather, you know, compared with hearing the singles on the radio and you hear these like much screamier songs that are kind of interspersed and you're like, oh wow, this is like, this is very different. This is, you know, it's such a different experience hearing the the whole album, hearing all these other cuts. It's interesting. The difference of experience between like what radio curates for you, even when the radio singles are great songs or the station is like really good at playing a variety of music, but like what is curated and presented to you there versus what the band has put together on a record. And like, this is our, like our complete project, our complete work of art that we want you to hear. Like sometimes it's a totally different experience. And I think that that, like, it can be really neat. It can be really jarring. It can be both. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like there's so much thought that goes into a track order of how you want people to absorb the music too. And then it's just like, it's like, oh, like this song has to come after this song, or this song has to come before this song, and then it's like, people don't consume music the same way anymore. But like, yeah, yeah. I, I've think, actually been wondering about that um, because you know it used to be like you'd you'd go to the store and buy the album, and you'd come home and listen to it, you know, start to finish. Especially in in the days where vinyl was like the only way to get music. Because yep. there was no like skip track button. I mean, sure, you could look at the grooves and kind of figure it out, but you know, most people would listen to an album start to finish. And these days, you know, in in the days of streaming services and playlists and singles, it's uh, you know, I, I do you think that the the art of sequencing a record has been uh, I don't want to say lost, but is kind of less important these days, or maybe not less important, but do you think maybe bands don't spend as much time on it as they used to? I'm not sure. I mean, because I feel like we spent a good amount of time on it, like this being our first like vinyl record. So, but like just because of digital streaming, like now, as you said, playlists and just like singles, it's not consumed like in the same like start to finish way. But I feel like if anybody like is really into the music and wants to see how it was like laid out by the artist, that they will take the time to listen to it from start to finish and like see how it actually flows. Yeah, I think yeah. I. it just makes me notice more when it's very clear that a band has focused on sync- sequencing. And, like, especially yep. when you can, when, like, um, it, the sort of transitions between songs yeah. seem really intentional and carry over through the songs. And it sounds jarring to hear them, like, stand alone uh, because yeah. they have trails, tales, I guess. Like yeah. the, I was just yeah, listening to the, faded, to the faded and out. I've been listening to the ceremony, the new ceremony record a lot. I don't know if you know that band, but I have only been listening to the record for the past couple weeks. And I put one of their songs on a playlist the other day, 
and it came up in the playlist and it was sort of hard to listen to or it was like a, just a different song without uh, being nestled in among all of the rest of the songs. Like your ear was wanting it to hear it in the order that you yes. were yeah. hearing it. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. yes, absolutely. Um, I like... I do still try to listen to records start to finish, and like I, I notice a lot when bands do take that care and like they really think through the progression. But anytime I create a playlist, my brain still like thinks that the the next song is going to be the next song on the record. And like even when I personally like curated and like like sat for hours making this playlist to make it flow perfectly, sometimes it's still just wrong. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm still almost exclusively an album listener. I don't really like playlists or yeah. anything. <laughs> Old man Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I like, listen to stuff like every possible way. So I'll sit down and listen to an album, but I'll also obsess over making lots of playlists with lots of different musicians on it. Same. Like, I'm really into making playlists, like, specifically for my grandma, Bootsy. And for nice. her, her functions that she likes to have, like her <laughs> birthday parties and then any other like family function. And I'm very intentional about the order and where I put like some of the like bangers or like when I want people to like dance or like slow down a little bit. Hell so, yeah. Yeah. Are those playlists on Spotify? Yeah, I have some. I can If you want, um, send us a link to one of them. We'll put it in the show notes so people can check it out because that sounds really cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Bootsy's totally. 80th birthday party playlist. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually, like, like I mentioned earlier, I also am almost exclusively a, a full album listener. Um, but like I have especially in recent years like really started approaching playlists much in the same way that like as kids we made mixtapes like i want to be able to share a variety of things and show people like this is what i'm into and like maybe you would be too uh and so like i'll spend time putting together a playlist on spotify and then like just kind of like put out a link there and just see if anybody like comments and like every now and then people like holy shit this is really good and like Go listen to the rest of the record. <laughs> yeah. And that's how our podcast started. <laughs> yep. And I mean, Katie is really good at making playlists. Like she was mentioning that she really likes to do it. And she did make a playlist curated like around like Pleasure Vision oh, and like putting true, some yeah. of like our peer like, artists like on the um, Spotify playlist. So we can send that to you as well. But if you wanted to talk about like, yeah. some of the yes. stuff that you like, yeah, why you put made that it, together. Like, why, yeah. <laughs> oh, so. Uh, I made a playlist that's yeah, it's connected to our Spotify, and it, um, it's the title of the playlist is Goodbye 2019, Hello Pleasure Vision. And nice. I, nice. I tried to, I pretty much exclusively put um, songs that were released in 2019 on it. There are, few, there are like a couple songs that are from 2018, but it's uh, heavily focused on the DC music scene. And um, there are a lot of tracks from bands that we really admire or that we've played with before. Or that are on Get Better. Yeah. Oh, and I put, yeah, every single band that released a new track in 2019 um, on Get Better Records. Like, yeah, there's a new track from every artist that released a new track in 2019 on that list. I feel really disconnected from most music scenes this day. Like, how is it in D.C.? Like, what's it like, uh, you know, performing live and, like, going to shows out there, like, what's going on there? 
Um, I think the punk scene is very robust right now. Um, there are a lot of different bands that... As it should be. Yeah, <laughs> that are, yeah as it should be. That are making a lot of really good music. And, um, I, you know, the punk scene is... I, I think that it's more diverse maybe than, like, you go up to Brooklyn and everyone's kind of playing the same, like, garage rock-influenced you know, has like kind of a garage rock sound and all the bands kind of sound the same. And I feel like they're like within the punk scene in DC, there's like a wide variety of sounds. Right. And and there's also, you know, there's also like an indie scene and there's, you know, just a wide variety of the jazz scene. Like hip hop, yeah, hip hop. Go go, like yeah. funk. There's so many That's, different, like, yeah. and all you can find all of those in the same show sometime, yeah. which I really That's like awesome. about DC because it's more of an eclectic mix of bands. And you're just seeing different types of styles of music in one setting, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely, like, a lack of, like, small, like, DIY venues yeah. right now. We've definitely seen, like, a decline since we've been a band and yeah. right, before a lot that of our even. Yeah. House shows that we used to play at are no longer functioning. Not doing shows anymore. Yeah. People have complained and yeah. totally narked on them. Yeah, the rent's houses. going up, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, the housing market, like in many cities, has kind of decimated the house show scene. So they're like, there's still some like, you know, like arts nonprofit like spaces, you know, like nonprofit spaces that we can play at. But like they're, Hole in the Sky or something. Yeah, like Hole in the Sky yeah, yeah. or St. Stephen's, Stephen's Church. Yeah. Um, but they're Rhizome. Rhizome. Which we actually haven't played yet. Yeah, yeah we yeah. haven't. Yeah. Uh, there's a Is nice it? article if you guys want to link to it. Uh, about the DC house show scene oh, yeah, and the decline of, yes. of house venues. It's by someone named Hayden Higgins uh, from 730 DC, and they write a, a daily news newsletter on the goings-on about town. We can send it to you. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, shoot us that link as well. We'll make sure that makes it into the uh, show notes also. Is there a decent amount of overlap between DC and Baltimore in the, the music scene? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Like, we we love playing Baltimore because it's only about an hour away from us. And But, like, the thing about Baltimore is, like, some people from Baltimore don't travel to D.C. <laughs> and vice versa. So, like, if we play a Baltimore show, we'll see completely different people in the crowd than we see in D.C., yeah. which is nice because it's just, like, a, their own community there, too. And they have so many great bands out right now that are, like, just doing the damn thing. I honestly love everything that's coming out of Baltimore right now. Yeah. Hell yeah. Definitely our second most played place after DC. Right. Yeah. For proximity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I used to live in Baltimore, so. Yeah. <laughs> Especially big fan of Baltimore. Yeah. What's our, our third Good. most played place is probably Asbury Park. Asbury Park, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I love Asbury. <laughs> we love yeah. Asbury Park. We got um, dubbed as honorary shore punks, and that was like yeah. the nicest thing that anybody's ever said to us. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's dope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So getting back to uh, to the Pixies, because I just remembered oh, yeah. that's what we're supposed to be talking about right now. <laughs> it's okay. We, Caleb and I do this all the time. It's fine. This is how it goes. It's totally true. <laughs> um, so the, I don't know if, if y'all want to go in order the record on the songs that you picked to talk about, if you want to skip around. Yeah, I mean, um, just give, toss a song out. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, yeah. Yeah, y'all should pick... Uh, the songs, yeah. Caleb, you pick. What, what song are we to talk about next out of the, the ones they picked? Well, going in order, uh, and boring, the, the next one would be Mr. Greaves. Hope everything is all right. 
different like take on the intro i just like how it's like the kind of like like dubby like reggae style like guitar like just that in the voice and then it just goes into like a really like upbeat poppy like song i don't know like i i love it and it kind of like i don't know i don't think they were going for scott in any way shape or form no, but no. like i do love scott and i'm not ashamed to say it but yeah. or should yeah. you be yeah no but um yeah like kind of like has that kind of like vibe to it too for me do y'all yeah. have a take on what it means no do you no i don't i i feel like i when we decided to pick this song, I wanted to look at the lyrics because I don't know what it means. No, I mean, I, I read through the lyrics again preparing for this, maybe, and I realized maybe, I don't know what it means. Maybe we should read some for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. So. That's a, that's a Caleb, uh, Caleb move there. He usually reads the lyrics. What do you got for us, Caleb? Yeah, Caleb, yeah, read, Caleb read it What to lyrics us. were sticking out to you? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I'm looking at it, and, like, it's hard to say if they're, like, I mean... I guess it's a it's a, an assumption to say that every song means something because literally not every song means something. Sometimes an artist will just write gibberish because it it sounded fun to them. But like I'm looking at this and it's hard to say what it means at all. Uh, I mean, hope everything is all right. What's what's that floating in the water? Oh, Neptune's only daughter. I believe in Mr. Greaves. Mr. Greaves, uh, pray for a man in the middle, one that talks like Doolittle. And like I don't I don't know like. <laughs> I think like trying to ascribe meaning to a Pixies song in general is kind of hard. Okay, like, but can I say why know? I think it means something? I guess please. Yeah, so please. there's there's the stanza: you can cry, you can mope, but can you swing from a good rope? Oh, I believe yeah. in Mr. Greaves. Hope everything is all right. And I I'm like, is it, like is it suicide? about suicide? Yeah. And Ooh, is it sort maybe. of hoping? Could be hoping for someone who's struggling. I don't know. Yeah, but the yeah. rest the rest of it doesn't really tie in, and I guess I I was also drawn to the line, "What's floating in the water? Oh, Neptune's only daughter." Is that gibberish? It feels too. 
I, I think that's a fantastic line. I just like I'm I'm having struggle tr- having struggle. I am struggling trying to like not only talk but also to interpret those <laughs> words. Uh, and I I think you might be on something with that meaning. But like it's interesting because like it starts out feeling kind of gibberish, but then like you said, that last bit uh, really kind of feels like it pulls it together and uh, like gives it a bit more gravity. Yeah, I mean, just like the intro lyric and the exit lyric of Hope Everything is Alright, the way that that's delivered is just, like, through, like, some pain and strain and, like, the voice just kind of, like, rumbles a little bit. And I think it's, like, one of the most, like, beautifully delivered, like, painful lyrics that I, I've heard on this record. Do you think Talks Like Doodle is a, Doolittle is a reference to Dr. Doolittle, like the communicating with animals, like some sort of connection with nature? Yeah. yeah I thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be, right? I mean, yeah. There aren't any other famous Doolittles that I'm aware of. Right. That's, that's the only one I know of. Yeah. yeah. And they named the album that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, wait, it's, I mean, like, there's it's like, um, the character Eliza Doolittle in My uh, Fair Lady. Yeah. And oh, the whole uh, premise of that musical is that um, she's like this lower class girl who can't talk proper English. Right, it's a lot about her yeah, talking. Yeah, so maybe it's oh, about someone yeah. not like, conforming <laughs> oh, there we to go. society or something. You know, you look at some of the other songs, uh, I'm like, I'm thinking like uh, Debaser specifically, which was basically just based on an old uh, silent film that yeah. uh, that uh, he saw in class. Um, you know, the... the oh, it's... One of the, What's that? Oh, the film is a surrealist film by Andre Breton. Yes. And Dolly. And Dolly, yeah. And Dolly, I was yeah. I, I watched that <laughs> as a result of this album. Got me into it, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, you know, to me, like, what I always... If I had to describe the Pixies to someone who'd never heard the Pixies, like... I think what I would say is it, it basically imagine a bunch of art students started a rock band because that's really what happened. Yeah. Um, and then that, that's pretty much what you get. And I think that's a pretty good descriptor of them. So like for, you know, thinking about, um, you know, him like making a reference like uh, what, what's the line like, t- like talk like Doolittle? Is that the something like that? Something like speak like um, Doolittle? Pray for a man in the middle, one that talks like Doolittle. Yeah, so like I could totally see that being a a My Fair Lady reference, um, just based on you know that was probably something at some point in uh, in school that he uh, would have encountered. So uh, well, who knows? I'm, I'm digging a little bit deeper here because My Fair Lady was inspired by Pygmalion, uh, and uh, he makes the uh, the Neptune reference uh, immediately before this. And Eliza Doolittle is a character in Pygmalion. Yeah, we're uh, on to something so here. Like, we're figuring this I thing out. We, <laughs> we might be figuring this out. I think, I think we cracked the code. Oh, man. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, like, without a lyrical analysis, like, just as a, you know, listener, I feel like I always kind of thought of it as kind of like a, like, uh, Mr. Greaves is like a monster boogeyman kind of figure. Like, it seemed like this sort of, mm-hmm. like, almost nursery rhyme-related, like, tale about this, like, scary guy who, you know, does all these, like, confusing and scary things, and that it's like this, you know, this, like, monster-under-the-bed kind of figure. But that was all without, like, reading much into the lyrics, just kind of, like, my sense of the song, just, like, as, you know, listening without that. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It also yeah. feels like a sort of Rorschach test interpretation. <laughs> so my go-to for, for lyrics tends to be genius lyrics. Uh, and one of the reasons is because they have little sections like this. What have the artists said about the song? 
And he says, it's about the end of the world, I guess. Mr. Greaves is the death character of mythology. Uh, the man in the middle is Dr. Doolittle, because if you could speak to the animals, you would be the great link between mankind and the animal world. There's this theory that if not smarter than us, animals are aware of what's going on, and if we could communicate with them, they could give us the answer of the future and make everything okay. But I'm assuming that a nuclear winter will mean that Mr. Greaves is going to win in the end. I, I love the I point. I love that he starts off with "It's about the end of the world." I guess. Like, I guess. What do you? You wrote it. What do you mean? You guess? But that. I mean, that also makes me think, though, about uh, "Monkey Gone to Heaven," which you know is all like mentioning God and the devil and stuff. And you know, it's yeah. it's funny that this is like you know he's presenting it as kind of like a devil character and seems to be on his mind. I don't know, or on their mind as a band, like devil figures. haven't heard every song ever uh one day i hope to but i I haven't yet but um one of the things that's interesting to me about the song is this is one of the earliest um examples that i know of where the song is just like kind of bass drums and vocals in the verse and then gets like real big with guitars in the chorus that became such a standard for rock music uh through like in the 90s into the 2000s into today and like I definitely think this song was was if if not the first one of the first um, you know bigger songs to do that and I think that's a really cool kind of little influence that I, I never really thought of before till I listened to this record again uh, for for this podcast. I just think it's a cool like song that goes through like a story that kind of doesn't make sense, but if you read into it a little bit further, then it's it does. But yeah. I want I want to know why you don't like this song that much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I can't explain it. I think I'm creep creeped out by it. I don't know. It <laughs> just makes me uncomfortable. I think the the, the, the yeah. way that the line God is seven, seven yeah. is delivered puts me on edge in a way that I just want to turn the song off. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's so I think it's good. supposed to. Yeah. 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 I feel like that whole part is one of those yeah. things that's like such a kind of goofy line that that, you know, just depends on it being sold really well and it's just sold so well that it's like this is kind of ridiculous, but 
Like you just, you know, the way that he sings, it just makes me like, oh yeah, I totally. But then it sense. goes right into Ken's reframe of like, yeah, this monkey's gone to heaven and it's so like soft and like mm-hmm. nice and smooth. Which is also like kind of comical in a way, yeah. like, I don't know, talking about a monkey. Yeah. Oh, the cover. cover. Damn. Yeah, you're probably it's right. It's a monkey, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought yeah. about that. <laughs> There's actually, I think, a lot of overlap in this, which, like, I'm not going to go so far as to say that Doolittle's a concept album, but, like, there's definitely some some points that he's getting across here. He talks about this being another kind of mythological thing uh, and less concerned about making sense, but more about having the lyrics pop when people are listening to it. Uh, and then, of course, there's the numerology aspect. If man is five, the devil is six, then God is seven, uh, which is really fascinating when you think about mythology and how numbers are ascribed to uh, meaning or to deities and whatnot. But then what's one through four? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, puppies are number one. Oh, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so uh, another track that y'all picked was Hey. 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 <laughs> That's another one that that's, yeah, that's my that's probably my favorite song. I think 
in the early days of YouTube, there were these two Israeli girls who were like high schoolers who made like a music video to it. And it was really Neat. popular online. I feel like it was on like some other like websites, like where Homestar Runner that. was or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. And I re- that's like the first time I heard the Pixies um, in high school, like because just, you know, just two high schoolers across like on the other side of the world had made like a music video that went along with it. Um, and I think it's just a really good example of how um, the Pixies use like silence and negative space effectively. And I think, um, you know, there aren't a lot of bands that do that, that did that in the nineties. And there aren't a lot of bands that do that now. Um, and I don't know. I just, the vocal delivery is so good. Yeah. It's like such a simple guitar part and it's repeated so much. And it's like so much of like the backbone of the song that it's like, it's amazing how well it works. You know, it's just like so straightforward, but it's one of those like repetition just makes it like really, really work and really like feel. Yeah. Hey was the first bass line that I ever learned, like when I was getting started and I was just so freaking pressed to like learn this bass line because it's so good. And it's basically the same thing throughout the whole entire song, which is like, insane to me because like they just made it work for like everything i mean she switches like briefly but it's basically that same run can you sing it for like like that that. and there's our there's our end of the episode stinger thing (laughs) yes yeah, <laughs> and it's just such a sexy baseline, and I like just get so hyped every time I hear it. Like I cannot get sick of listening to this album or like this song. Like I know I've listened to this like thousands of times probably, and just like can never get it out of my head. Like it's just so catchy and perfect. I don't know. It's amazing. Uh, it's it's fantastic. And it's it, it's one of those things where, like, you know, you mentioned it, it just kind of goes for the whole song, but it doesn't really, you know, you don't get sick of it. And I, there's just something about, like, a bass line or guitar part that's got, like, a good groove that's like, I could just play this for an hour and just be into it. And it's that's, to me, that's one of those, uh, that's one of those lines. It's just like, it's just so good that you don't want to stop playing it. Yeah. I think a lot of people must feel the same way because I, I often hear bands sound checking. Like, the bassist is always playing. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the drummer's always playing the beginning of Disorder, you know, from Joy Division. <laughs> I feel like every drummer soundchecks on Disorder and every bassist soundchecks on Hey. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a great bassline. I, I find that repetition thing very impressive because as a guitarist, I feel like I have a lot of trouble playing something for a long time. Like, I'm always, like oh, people are going to get bored if I just play one thing for a really long time, so I've got to do, like, lots of different stuff. And so when I hear a song where it's, like, something that's just, like, basically repeated for the whole song, I'm like, you know, what confidence? Like, how do you <laughs> how do you decide, like, oh, everybody's going to want to hear this the whole time and be right about it? Like, I, just, I don't have that kind of confidence. Yeah, they really executed it quite well. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> as far as, like, lyrics go, like, this song is, like, really weird. <laughs> I think, like, uh, one of the most like weird lyrics. I just I remember that there's another devil in this one, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And um, but I really like the refrain, like we're chained, like, yeah. and then like the back and forth, 
like the lyrics and the vocals, like just going back and forth. Like, I just love that so much. It's yeah. very dark. It's very dark, but very sexy and just super gripping. I don't know. It pulls you in. I feel like sexy and scary are a lot of the songs. Yeah. 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 That's a theme of Bacchae. Sexy <laughs> and scary. <laughs> I don't think we're very scary. I, know. I don't know if we're very sexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, zero out of two isn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is another one where I really love like his perspective that he gives when asked because uh, he says people love this song it's like our only R&B song with this three chord turnaround basically it's our slow jam R&B song or, or our version of that I guess I don't think we were trying to do that it just sort of came out naturally I suppose it's a relationship song it's, it's not really my own history but distilled or culled from ancient stories of my parents from when they were younger Things I heard of were rumors loosely based on that kind of stuff. I love ancient stories of my parents. <laughs> I like that he's still so cryptic, even in the like yeah. explanation. explanation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I just picture like people try to ask him like what the songs mean, like expecting like something really deep. He's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> just makes it more confusing. I guess I'll make something up for you. <laughs> I mean, Caleb, we talked a couple of weeks ago about like how important lyrics are to to the two of us as as songwriters, mm-hmm. um, to to like you know really understand the lyrics and what they mean and, and the story they tell. And then uh, I think it was the Giants Chair record, uh, which yeah, that'll come out before this one. Um, yeah, that that Giants Chair record uh, where you just mentioned like you don't really listen to the lyrics; it's just kind of another instrument. And I think for me, a lot of times the Pixies is like that, like. He's just saying a bunch of weird shit, and it's catchy. I don't really think too much about what it's about, personally. I guess I feel like certain words, like, not necessarily, like, whole sentences or, like, a story, but certain words do feel like they give meaning, like, devil or chained or, like, God is seven, like... Maybe they don't have meaning, but they contribute to the tone of the song. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Why don't we talk about your uh, your last pick here, Gouge Away? Yeah, so Gouge Away is the last song on the album, and I think that that was probably intentional by the artist because it's just, like, such a good closer. Yeah. Like, Nina I, loves closers. I, I do love closers. <laughs> like, I can't get enough of a good closer. But it's just, like, a perfect way to end this album and wrap everything up. Like, just in a nice package, I think. I feel like uh, another lyrical theme that I've noticed, uh, maybe just on this album, I don't know, there's a lot of, like, kind of references to kind of, like, violent things. Like, I feel like in this one, like, gouge away, obviously, and, like... Um, I forget what the I didn't review the lyrics, but there's something about breaking breaking bones and yeah, breaking my arms. You spoon my eyes, which is probably the gouging. I don't know. I I feel like there's a lot of like I don't know. You know, driving my car into the ocean. There's a lot of oh yeah, kill us all in this one. I don't know. I feel like that that is something I, I also see a lot of in this album. That there's a lot of I don't know. It's not necessarily like clear what the violence is, but it's just like there. Somehow. Yeah. And they go back to the chained um, reference too, like in yeah. hey, it's like we're chained, mm-hmm. and then here it's like chained to the pillars. I don't know. They yeah. just bring back the same themes throughout the record, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I always took this song as being kind of like about an emotionally abusive relationship, oh. but he's kind of like using 
like visual, like violent imagery to like kind of show how damaging it can be to kind of like pick away at someone emotionally, like when you're in like a toxic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this is, and this one's like a Samson thing, right? Yep. So you are dead on with the toxic relationship. It's absolutely Samson and Delilah. Pulling the pillars down and killing everybody. That happens. Locks. Yeah, the yeah. locks yeah. and the, yeah. Um, there's one thing about, like, this song. Like, I feel like the guitars are pretty cool in this song. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that as a guitarist. <laughs> but I do really like the guitar lines in here and, like, just, like, the quick, like, strums that they do. Yeah. And, it, and it's another one that has a pretty guitar-less verse yeah. part, right? Yeah. Like, and that's the just, like, really so effective. Doing, like, guitar not being there and all of a sudden being there just makes it sound so big. Yeah, it gets so much more heavy. Yeah. The leads to me felt like... We've talked about that some of these songs are, like, creepy, and, like, the leads in this were, like, that that creep factor, that kind of, like, spookiness. Uh, And Kissy will get a kick out of this. You know know how I love the spy shit. Well, like, this song didn't specifically bring that feeling to mind, but its song is literally about a spy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, cool so i think we're gonna wrap up this half of the show uh we'll hear uh gouge away to uh to wrap up this segment and we'll take a break and when we come back we're gonna talk about uh new record pleasure vision so stay tuned Welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm Caleb Coy. And together, we plumb the murkiest depths and scour the darkest corners of the internet in search of movies. Movies you might have missed. Or purposefully skipped over. We break down the madness and offer tiny tidbits of trivia. Or sometimes just yell into the abyss about how these movies ever got made. Catch a new episode every week. 
You're listening to Left of the Dial. I am still your host, Kitsy, and with me still, again, as always, is Caleb Coy. And of course, we also have with us this week, uh, Bakai, here to talk about their new record, Pleasure Vision, out March 6th on Get Better Records. Uh, you just heard a section of the song Hammer, which is a single off the record, and uh, we're going to talk about that now. So go ahead and do that. Hammer is one of the most, like complex songs that we put together i feel personally i don't know how anybody else in the band feels about that yeah we haven't really had an outro on many songs like oh and that came to, that came as an accident yeah that came together like right at the end like no it wasn't an accident it's not an accident we, but, had, we had a friend come to practice with us Rosendo, who Rosendo. also is like he has some ex- like produ- production credits on the record yeah yeah, yeah. and, and it just sort of yeah. he just he basically said, what if you have an outro? And then <laughs> we played it sort of off the cuff. And the solo that Andrew chose in that <laughs> moment is the solo that we I ended did, up no, with. That is not true. I did, I did not come up with that solo on the spot. I, Wait, I wrote it at home over a period of time. The solo and the like third I could verse? I could have sworn it was not, the same. Like, the, the, the solo. solo. Yeah, no, I wrote <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> I, yeah, no, no, no. Andrew that was not something that. I could have pro- uh, I improvised. I no. But the outro definitely... that whole history in my head, I guess. No. Yeah, we were like practicing that seven drum and Rosenda was there and like we just like decided about the outro and like just played around with it for several minutes and got it together and then decided to drop out drums and bass and then only have vocals and guitar at the end and then just vocals at the end, which is like... Gets me every time. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love that about it, especially with that that EQ filter sweep going on at the end too. It's just uh, so good. The little like radio voice thing it at the end. Sweet. Yeah. So yeah. Jay yeah. Robbins uh, recorded our record at um, Magpie Cage's studio in Baltimore. And for those that know Jay Robbins of the um, phenomenal band Jawbox, so he does a lot yeah. of recordings now, and like that's his. His studio, well, he has the studio space in Baltimore, but he added that effect and I, it just works so well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote. Yeah, the lyrics. The words. Yeah. <laughs> you have so much to say about the lyrics, and I love your explanation about the lyrics, so please share. Um, yeah, I don't know. The lyrics are about. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you have said things oh my gosh, before. Said so many no, things about so it. I, yeah, I guess uh, it's about like, you know, I don't know. I guess I was kind of thinking about um, when I wrote the lyrics, I was thinking about like how it feels to go back home for like Thanksgiving or the holidays or whatever. And I guess when I was writing the lyrics, I was thinking about um, growing up like my family went to church a lot and I was forced to go and I didn't believe any of it. And, um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was like, I was like a total nerd, like weirdo outcast, like in, uh, high school and also in like, or not high school, whoa, sorry, middle school. (laughs) (laughs) I was cool in high school. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wasn't cool in high school, but high school, (laughs) high school was fine. Like high school, I had no problem with high school. But yeah, like middle school and like church youth group um, were pretty rough. And I don't know, just like having like the perspective of like, you know, a decade or more and like returning to a place where you used to go to a lot and, you know, held negative meaning for you and going back there and 
looking at it and thinking like, oh, I'm an adult now. Like I'm so like I can move past like, you know, bad things that happened in a certain place because it's not the same as it was like a decade ago or longer. If I can say so, I'm I'm in love with that uh, set of uh, of lines that I returned to somewhere that I hated once and found how much I'd changed in my mind, reviewed my time and conquered all the hurt that still remained. Like that's so, like ah, that hits so hard. I love it. So this song really stood out to me, uh, especially as the third track on the record, because the first two are a little more aggressive, and I, I don't want to use the word angry, but I don't have a better word to use, so I'm just going to use the word angry. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. And then and then you hit us with this one that's a little like it's like poppy and a little like, you know, pretty and like I don't know, it's just, it's it really struck me as like a huh, okay, that's different. Um and and in a very good way, don't get me wrong cuz I, I love the track, but um I I kind of I love that you go from like you know, again, much like the Pixies record we just talked about, you have that dichotomy of like the the loud uh you know, aggressive songs and then into like the nice poppy, you know, really accessible ones. And I thought, I thought that was a really cool transition. Yeah. I feel like we, uh, we thought a lot about how we wanted to like mix those sides of the band, you know, like when do we introduce this like other, other style kind of thing and third sounded good Yeah, <laughs> after these two was... other aggressive songs. Well, I mean the second song on the album is Stop Looking, which is not yeah. that aggressive. Like, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's more poppy and like bouncy, so it does lead well into this. internally like classified our songs into angry heavy type poppy type and then like the in-between weird type yeah with like more synth driven yeah like, like more to the creepy side yeah. again another like maybe pixies <laughs> parallel yeah. like having creepiness as a central element yeah and this one's on the poppy uh, side <laughs> yeah there's uh, going back to Hammer for just a moment. There's like that part where there's like this really kind of like punchy, choppy guitar part, and then this lead comes in and just like floats along the top of that. And I just I really love how that that came out. I think that that like brings a really cool dynamic to the song. Yeah, that part's yeah. fun and like the yeah. kind of like trading off between the vocals and guitar. I always like when yeah. other bands do that. Like the call and response. It's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Pretty, I love yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I, I always like when when guitar and vocals can interact. Like in the in the uh, ending part, the the like repeated guitar part is like taken from the the vocal melody earlier in the song, and like you're just following it. Yeah, I'm just yeah. following it, and I really like that kind of thing. Other yeah. bands do it. Yeah, it works extremely well. It, it really ties the whole song together. I think. Yeah, I'm really glad we came up with that outro thing because I yeah. I feel like we all kind of felt like before it we were like oh maybe the song doesn't totally sound finished but like once we added that we were like oh shit like this really finishes the song and yeah. that guitar line is also sort of inspired by a Marissa Paternoster from Screaming Females kind of guitar solo right? yeah I feel like usually a lot of my when I do solos I feel like uh, she is often someone I try to emulate she does like such a good job of having like solos that aren't like I don't know just guitar center sounding yeah exactly just yeah. like blue scale like <laughs> bad <laughs> rock <laughs> solos yeah that's the best description good. I've ever heard <laughs> yeah and so good. females is one of the another shared love like of a band between the four of us and we finally got to play with them in 2018. Was that 2018? Jesus. It was 2018, I think, in mm. Asbury Park, New Jersey. <laughs> uh, yeah. House of Independence. Your second home. Yeah, yeah. Second home. So that was um, a huge, like, defining moment in our band career to get <laughs> yeah. to play with Screaming Females. That's awesome. But uh, one of the things I like to do is I like to give my first impressions of just, like, the thoughts that hit my head within the first, like, 30 seconds of hearing the record. Uh, and, and for this one, um, you know, it, it, one of the things that kind of hits me right away too is like, how would I describe this band to someone in like one sentence or like if they've never heard this band before? And so what, what hit me right away was um, if the Dead Kennedys were a Riot Girl band, but, but also like super into the B-52s. <laughs> oh, thank Perfect. you. We're that's, beaming. We're flattering. Yeah. That's wild. Thanks. I feel like that's the first time I've heard Dead Kennedys, which is one that I really have wanted to check off, you know, because <laughs> people have said we've definitely heard B-52s yeah. and yeah. like Riot Girl before, but Dead Kennedys are a giant influence for me. Yeah. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> I heard someone told me, someone's told me that before. Oh, really? I heard that okay. Too. Oh, nice. Really? Well, you didn't tell Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you heard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, it's like, especially in like the, you know, the, the heavier, more aggressive songs, like the vocal delivery to me is very, um, you know, very Dead Kennedys-esque, um, I think. And just like the, the, the kind of the, the pacing and timing of the lyrics a lot of times is, it reminds me of, of that. So I think that's where that came from for me at least, but uh, I can also definitely hear it in the music as well. Thank you. I in no way say this to mean that I don't like this now because this is a really fucking great record, but I, like my first impression was like, this is jam time for early 20s, Caleb. Like, I would have been blasting this so loud in my car. And, like, Leave Town in particular, like, uh, what hit me right away was this, like, it's an old yeah, yeah, yeahs and drive like Jehu crossover. Oh, hell what? yeah. What? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dude, I was just killing them. It's like, compliments. This yeah. is the most amazing, like, like, amalgamation of like those two sounds like the way those bands make me feel that I was just like fuck yeah this is this is a jam I'm gonna go ahead and certify this one right away <laughs> that don't take that lightly either because Caleb does not certify jams uh very often uh they've they've got a they've got a pass a, a pretty uh rigorous uh standard to be a certified jam in Caleb's book so that's uh that's a huge compliment 
so kind of getting back to, to my first impressions too, another thing I, I have written down here is that um, if I didn't know any better, like if I knew nothing about your band and someone just said, hey, listen to this record, and they had told me that this came out in the late 80s or early 90s, I would 100% believe it. Oh yeah, and and I I mean that as a compliment for sure because like there's so there was so much good music happening then and like this this fits really well into into that era to me, um, but at the same time it also fits really well into today and I think that's a really hard balance to find and I think y'all really nailed it. Wow, it's really thank nice. You. I feel like we got to give some credit to Jay Robbins yeah. for that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. for sure, master of the the 90s style. Right. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, the the production on this record is phenomenal. Uh, as as someone who who does occasionally produce records and is really into that like that stood out to me as well that like the, the production is just uh Caleb I think we talked about this uh, early on in the podcast where you know it there's you know it's one thing to have like really slick uh you know technically like correct production but like it's a whole mm-hmm. other thing to have really good production that also serves the, the sound of the band really well and serves the songs really well. And I think this is a really good example of that. Like the production on this is, is perfect for what your band is and what these songs are. Absolutely. Yeah, we were very excited to work with Jay on this record and he was just such a pleasure to work yeah, with. Like going there was just wonderful. so nice. Yeah. yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. And then he'd be like walking around the studio and like, whistling our songs like because he has to listen to him a million times but he was like it's an earworm like like, hell yeah he's whistling it but that's good right yeah Yeah. that's always a good sign because like again when you're working on records it can be very easy to get very sick of the songs because you have to hear them over and over and over again and especially in various like unfinished states so to have someone who's like not involved in the writing uh that you're forcing to listen to the songs over and over again to like actually be like kind of into them and like you know whistling them as the, as they walk around like that's a huge to me like that's a huge compliment because you yeah. know I know I've definitely worked on on some songs where I'm just like by the time it's I'm like I never want to fucking hear that song again it's a great song but I never want to fucking hear it again I mean I think we've <laughs> felt like that about this album like, at some yeah. point yeah. yeah like I think you have to walk away from it especially yeah. if it's like oh the mastering and it's just like I don't know it sounds fucking like the same as it did when yeah. I listened to yeah. it like, like we just, listened closely during yeah. mixing and then when it got to mastering we were like uh, sounds good. We don't have any notes. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the production, like, Rena, your bass tones are incredible. I wrote Uh, that down, too! I (laughs) specifically called it out for Say How You Feel, but, like, that bass tone is so huge, and it's just, I, I love it so much.
Jay helped with like making sure the tones like were really matching up with what we wanted to go for. And I used a like a custom bass head that was a crunch amp. Um, that was made up front in at the Crunch their, Studios. Like, yeah, amp like the shop st- there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like run by um, Warren Women. Um, nice. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, and and like also like Warren Women. Um, so uh, Shauna has some guest songs. vocals on our last song of the album, Losing War. And she just was like, hey, like, do you mind if I like pop in and do some guest <laughs> vocals? And we're like, uh, yes, yeah, please. please. <laughs> like, and I was just like working with her was so cool, too. And we love Warren Women. We've gotten to play with them once, yeah. which was a really fun show. But like her just being like, can I, can I jump on your album? We're just like, us? <laughs> like, really? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, they're such a great band. Uh, are y'all touring coming up? Do you have any dates that you want to plug? So we have like four like uh, like album release yeah. dates around like the East Coast that we are going to be doing. So March 6th at Songbird is our official record release. That's the same date the record comes out. It's in, in D.C. Washington, it's in D.C. <laughs> Washington, D.C. And then April 7th at Auto Bar in Baltimore, Maryland. April 10th in Philly at House of Yarga. And April 11th in uh, Brooklyn, New York at Bushwick Public House. So those are like like right off fresh off the record release. Like those will be like some of our East Coast shows, and then we're trying to um, figure out some longer tours and get across the U.S. Um, later in the summer. So like be on the lookout. We have some things that we're trying to get together. And yeah, like touring is one of the things that we just like really want to do and like get it all together. It's just like last year. Yeah. We all like started new jobs and stuff, and it's like being a working professional on top of like doing the music stuff sometimes can be a uh, um, yeah awful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. We Hard. all yeah we all currently have nine to five office jobs yeah. kind of yeah. So and I mean like having a job is nice yeah. to be able to like have money to do stuff but <laughs> i wish that we could do this like full time yeah it's hard to coordinate us all having vacation days at the same time yeah. and days that we can be out of work and yeah, yeah unfortunately so i would love to uh if y'all don't mind talk about everything ugly oh yeah yeah, yeah. so this was uh y'all played that in new york right when when, when you opened for katana yeah because uh, I remembered, I think that was like one of the first songs that like really hooked me. Because um, you had actually released that as was it a single? Or was it on EP or something? It was out. We no, released that a as a standalone single yeah. um, that came out. Was that last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty nineteen. And then we re-recorded yeah. it for the album and slightly changed it. Yeah. yeah, one of the one of the significant differences is that um, for the keyboard, I played uh, an organ that was connected to a Leslie cabinet in the studio, and it just sounds so much bigger and like Oof. scarier. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I love the way the re-recorded version sounded, and I, I love the 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 uh, original version as well. Um, in fact, fun little trivia: before Left of the Dial was a podcast, it was a playlist. Uh, mm. And everything ugly was on the the original left of the dial playlist. So now we're coming back full circle and, and getting you on the podcast, which is cool. But um, this song stuck out to me uh, then and now as um, there's there's a line. I think it's in the I want to say it's in the second verse. Correct me if I'm wrong. The um, all my exes having children, getting married, buying homes. I can't even keep a promise. How do people fall in love? Like, I feel that real hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, like, the lyrics to the song, like, hit me, like, 
very, very hard as well. Like, and I know that I'm in the band, but like <laughs> every time that like Katie like sings it and like when she recorded it, like just like the emotion and the voice and being so relatable just like takes me out. Like I've definitely like cried like talking about this song, which is just like kind of like, I don't know. It's just like an overwhelming song and I just like love it. So I just like every time I talk about it, I start crying. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a heavy one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a, it's about being depressed and feeling like the world is kind of moving on without you, and you're just like stagnant. Yeah. I definitely feel that. I mean, I don't I I don't know how old y'all are, but like I'm in my officially like crossing into my late 30s, uh, I guess this year, and. Um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like it's like, oh, wait, hold on. Like, I, there were things I, sp- I should have done and I didn't. And now, wait, what? Everyone else did it? How do you, what? <laughs> I feel like moving away from, like, those, yeah. like, should-haves, like, it's just, like, you can't put, like, a limit on, like, where you should be at any point in your life, which is, like, no. very hard to do. Like, it's, like, by this age, I'm supposed to do these things and I'm supposed to check off these boxes, but it's just, like, it's not a linear, like, movement through life. Like, it's, like, you can go any kind of way that you want and do any kind of thing that you want and not have to, like, you know, make these goals, like, your goals. yeah. And but keeping it's, in mind that time, not everyone it's, who it, it's like it's it. so hard to to not do that though when you see like your, your peers around you all doing these things and you're like wait should I am I supposed to be doing that too am I falling behind like it's so hard not to uh, kind of compare yourself to you know to others around you in in that sense and keeping in mind that not everyone who has like checked all those boxes of should have like you said uh, is necessarily any happier or any more fulfilled uh, and like. The, the the whole concept of like these are the the milestones that you need to hit like is just like patently bunk so like it's it's a like it's kind of like hard to to realize on either side of that well yeah. someone someone who interviewed us oh god why can't I think of her name right now um from that magazine. from on top magazine yeah um she you know she is married and has kids and owns a home and she said when she listened to the song Monica 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 Red, Alford. Alford Alford yeah um uh she said that you know she was kind of thinking like oh like the people on the other side of the fence feel the same way like, like because yeah cuz she's yeah she was kind of saying like oh like we all feel stuck and like it's all like grass is greener so right. You know, the people yep. who do have the house, uh, who have the home and the kids and the, you know, the marriage, like, maybe they feel stuck, too. Like, they, you know, so. Yeah, are there, yeah. like, all sorts of, you know, different ways, like, you know, people with one sort of yeah. lifestyle might be thinking, like, oh, I wish I was, I don't know, playing in a band or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, there are all sorts of different, like, you know, it is very grass is always greener, I guess, like, pretty basic, but. Yeah.
Another thing that with this particular song, like with the intro of like the piano line, it took us a minute to decide how many times we wanted to do that <laughs> intro. Yeah. And like, we cut it back, right? Like it yeah, used the to intro was longer. like two or three times longer than it is now. But yeah. yeah. That's Five a very, hours. yeah. I feel like that's a very like modern music thing to worry about too because if you notice like especially in like top 40 music like intros keep getting shorter and shorter because because of things like instagram and tiktok and like you know you gotta like hook them yeah Yeah, it's not like in the 70s like where it's like oh let's just have like a minute long intro yeah yeah (laughs) was it like the the pinball song that that intro is like what like 18 minutes long (laughs) and that was totally fine but it's like it's a super popular song and everyone knows it everyone loves it but like you couldn't release that today and expect to get on the radio with it right yeah yeah i've i've that's something i think about a lot like as as you know when i put my producer hat on is like you know you you have like you have 30 seconds really to grab someone i feel like um so and especially when like the chorus is what grabs them. And if you're going with the traditional like intro verse chorus, verse chorus kind of structure, it's like, you've got to get to that, uh, that chorus within 30 seconds to really grab somebody. And so that's, you know, that can be a challenge, especially if the song's not particularly fast. Um, Yeah. One thing that we've tried to do is like withhold the hook or withhold the chorus so that it sort of builds like um, anticipation I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like this album has a lot of like double verse before you get to the chorus kind of thing. Fake out. <laughs> I guess it's exactly the opposite of what you're describing. <laughs> yeah. But it's trying and, and to. The, and the tragedy of that is, like, I love that. I love a non-traditional song structure, and I love yeah. you know, interesting things like that, like the double chorus where it's like by the time you get to the, the, the or the double verse rather, by the time you get to the chorus, it's like oh, finally it's here, and mm-hmm. and it's like huge and it sounds great, and I I love that hook, but. You know, with attention spans as they are, especially with things, you know, like Spotify, how easy it is just next, next, next. You know, it's it's kind of scary to put those kind of things out there because, you know, it, it's I worry about like not hooking people, you know, the first time they hear it. Um, I laugh it, because of what I told you about the mood that I was in when I tried to listen to White Reaper. And I was like, yes, mm, nope, nope. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Leave Town is the first song on our new album, Pleasure Vision. And we were like back and forth about what is going to be that opening song. And this one's like probably the heaviest song on that album next to Losing War, yeah, which is the last song you, on that album. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like start with a heavy one, end with a heavy one, and then like all this different stuff in between. But we were like, is it going to be like too jarring to have this? And it has like an actual breakdown, which is like we're not a hardcore band. So it just like comes out of nowhere, kind of. <laughs> but I think it works as a opening song because it just like wakes you up, and it's just like, what is this album gonna be about? And then it's just like kind of like the bait and switch. Yeah, it's not like curveball on the second song, curveball on the third song. Yeah, just keep you on your toes. <laughs> right, but it flows. <laughs> Yeah, I think we definitely thought, I mean, like kind of what we were talking about earlier, like grabbing you in the first 30 seconds, I was definitely thinking when we were talking about like sequencing, like what is the song where the most happens in the first 30 seconds of the song and you're already like deep into it. And I feel like this is one of the most like that. Yeah. And like the urgency of the vocal delivery, like is just really like quick and fast. Fast, intense. Yeah, intense. And the drums, everything like just comes in real hot. 
Yeah, I think it would have been weird to put it further back in the tracks because like, if we opened with something poppy, then someone starting to listen to it would get, listen to the album as a whole, would get like the wrong idea and then be like, what the fuck <laughs> is this song? And, you yeah. know, like when it came up. So. But I feel like Mannequin Pussy did that on their <laughs> last record. Oh, Patience? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They put some really heavy stuff yelling middle. songs yeah. right in the middle, and yeah. it woke me the fuck up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not like I was falling asleep, <laughs> but it was just, I... Because they have some poppy songs, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we love Mannequin Pussy as well. Well, do you want to talk yeah, about what it's lyrics, about, Katie? Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's kind of like... <laughs> A call-out song about someone, about a very particular person, actually. Um, and It's not me, is it? <laughs> no, never. Next album. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. uh, I knew this day was coming. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's about one individual in particular and how they should leave town because um, they're a creep. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to say who that person is, but yeah. a lot of people in D.C. know who this person is. I think I know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but in you know, just, like, listening to it in general is just, you know, like, about, you know, having to interact with someone abusive, whether it's a partner in your relationship or a parent or whatever, a and boss. just saying, boss, a boss, yeah. maybe, and just saying, like, you know like get out yeah i feel like i get a lot of like uh like a lot of stuff about like bad things happening behind closed doors and kind of being like hidden away and unexposed Mm -hmm. i feel like that that feels like a major theme of it yeah like during the breakdown like the vocal delivery changes slightly and i sent a like a early version of it to my friend or like not an early version like once it was done like to a friend just like a leak and they said that like they really liked that Katie sounded like a monster (laughs) 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 which I think is cool I think this song's a, gr- a great opener because it does kind of grab you right away and it does it in a, a pretty aggressive way. And I mean that in a good way. Um, yeah. You know, it's not just like, you know, hey, come come listen to my pretty song. It's like, hey, fuck you, listen to this song. And I love that. <laughs> uh, 
I, I love that because then it's a great song and you're like, oh, all right, yeah, no, yeah, we can listen to this. This is cool. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty like intense one to play. I know for me and Eileen at least, yeah, it's like the most tiring on guitar and drums. Like we often have to think about like, when are we putting it in a set or, you know, even in practicing so that we're like properly warmed up, but also like not too tired to, since it's just like, it's just very relentless. Like there's always something it's happening. Fast. Yeah, I mean, we practiced right before we did this podcast, and Eileen sat at the drum kit and was just like, not starting with lead town. Yeah. And I was like, okay, when are we going to play? This makes my arms hurt. <laughs> That's how you know it's a good one. Yeah. yeah. We played it last at the last show that we played, and that was the first time that we played it last, and I thought that that was good closer. a good closer. Yeah. yeah. How do you make the decision between, like, play it like early on and wear yourself out or play it late and risk like already being worn out? That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. I like, I feel like I'm the most like anal about like the set list order in the band. There's a clear division. <laughs> Some yeah. people don't care. <laughs> Some people not naming names don't care about the set list order, but I won't call them out. <laughs> But no, nobody on this podcast, of course. No. <laughs> of course not. The other members of the band. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I almost think it works better if you just have that one person that's like, I'm going to write the set list, and everyone else is just like, yeah, all right, cool. Because like, it, it keeps it from getting... Uh, you know, getting argumentative over like what, what song goes where. I think mm-hmm. each of us has like different aspects of being in a band that we're like, more toppy about. Like, <laughs> it's toppy. <laughs> Rita is a setless top. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'm um, going to change my bio to be setless top. Yeah, okay, now, you know, now we need to know who who's uh, who's what top in the band. Like that's. Well, <laughs> yeah, Rita's a setless top. Uh, I guess I am too. Although, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess I don't. I don't know what you guys are. So the rhythm section are setless tops. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, rhythm section. <laughs> I guess I'm I'm really focused on arrangements. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. arrangement I'm, top. I'm yeah, I'm the arrangement top. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Katie's just. I a hate hard changing. Bottom. I hate changing things like after they're set. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, there's no way we can make this part better. Don't dare change the guitar riff. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, like, each of us having the different things that we care about and will sort of die on that hill also (laughs) pushes us to to challenge each other and ourselves. And I don't know. It seems like a good, healthy dynamic. Life Online is my favorite song to play on the album live. Like, it's just, like, so, like, bouncy, and it has, like, a surfy kind of vibe to it. The guitars are really cool. And I really love Andrew Solo on this. Like, the first time that he, like, played the solo, I was like, that solo is, like, one of my favorite solos that you've ever written. And it sounds so cool, like, in the middle of the song. And I like the sense that you chose for the song. Like, I mm-hmm. think it's pretty, like, just amazing, like, with the dynamics of, like, how the song is, like, all put together. It flows really well. And I think that this was a song that, like, the drums, like, came together and, like, you were, like, just I like think well, Andrew and I were just fucking around in the yeah. basement, and, and I said I wanted to write 
a surfy song. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I wanted to write a spy song. No, you said uh, yeah, that's not what you said. Surfy yes. spy song. I associate yeah. them as the same. But I feel like this isn't a very spy song. It ended up not song. being yeah. spy. I mean, it ended up even being just sort of surfy influence. Yeah, it's only like vaguely surfy. But it I started think. out. I I plagiarized. Uh, uh, <laughs> you don't need to say that. Yeah. But I <laughs> I just was interested in learning how surf drummers. Oh yeah, uh, what were we like played. going? I off found of a, it first? a YouTube video. Oh, like a surf like drums to tutorial. Surf drum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I think we're definitely gonna have a spy song on our next yeah, release. Yeah, next time for sure. Being on this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> thanks to Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, we have like I, I like that we have uh, stop starts in this one. Oh yeah, That's, that was the first time we did that. I feel like sometimes we're just like. We've never have an a- had an outro. Let's do an outro. We've never had like stops and starts. Let's do stop starts in yeah. the song. <laughs> but the stop start in this song is one of my favorite parts too because there's that like bass like part that just like goes up the neck mm-hmm. and yeah. and like I played it and like for my partner and he was like that sounds like Operation Ivy and I was like oh my god uh, that's <laughs> awesome like I love Off Ivy like and the, I mean yeah it was him so. <laughs> Uh, without revealing why just yet, um, I, I want to say that like my first impression of this song was uh, if the current trend of Hollywood remakes were to continue and someone were to redo Ghost World, this song would be on the soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Wait, why? Yeah, why? <laughs> um, Buzzcocks? Ooh. Oh, yeah. that's okay. Nice. That's a, you're like pandering to Andrew I, I just, right now. I just got into the Buzzcocks like a few months ago. I guess after we wrote yeah. this album, so I guess yeah. it wasn't an influence. But but I feel like you like them a lot. Yeah, I like them a lot. It's not something where like it doesn't sound like it was ripped off, but it just has like these little pieces that I'm like, fuck, what does that make me? Oh yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> cool. So that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I mean like lyrically like. Yeah, I like that it. Uh, yeah, I like that it's kind of like an homage to surf rock a little bit, but it's um, the lyrics are very much like not you know like you listen to it and you're like oh this is a recent song because they're singing about the internet yeah um, <laughs> but um, yeah it's just about like kind of like not being able to help yourself and like I don't know like the addictive quality of like being online and how it's kind of like similar it's kind of like sexual in a way um and just kind of but kind of like sick too like because we are like destroying the planet by like ordering all this shit online and there are all these cardboard boxes and plastic wrapping clogging up our waterways and like you know it's just i don't know it's just all that wrapped up together is just kind of like this seductive but like sick feeling I don't know yeah and I mean like with like targeted advertisement now like and just like learning like what the user is into so like on our band Instagram we were getting targeted ads for this clothing company Tomboy and like I was just seeing it so much that like I bought this top because like (laughs) I just was like oh the like dinosaur like bra like it's so awesome and it's like why do I think it's awesome because I've seen it scrolling (laughs) through the feed so much and then they got me but it is very comfortable and doing that you've just encouraged them to do it more yeah Yeah. you just advertised yeah Yeah, you can cut that (laughs) you can cut that just just bleep the name of the brand, yeah. please. No, you can cut it. I'm not advertising. I'm just saying, like, I got, I got caught. Life on mine. <laughs> the, uh, like, 
The flip side of that, though, is like we talked earlier about like us doing this podcast fully remotely so that, you know, I don't have to fly to Philly once a week. And that does allow us to be at least slightly more responsible uh, in that regard, uh, whereas flying once a week would be horrible for the environment. Yeah, especially True. in the private jet that you all have from the yeah, podcast. I mean, and all that podcast like, money we're making. Right now, I, I try to keep my private jet like usage to like a minimum of it, like maybe like no more than twice a month. So like, yeah, emergencies uh, I, only I for like that private jet. We were a little disappointed you didn't fly us out in the podcast jet. <laughs> yeah, it's disappointing. Next Fine. next album, hopefully yeah. <laughs> we get that star treatment. <laughs> so speaking of of planes, uh, the the notes I yeah that's my nice turn around back into the song. The uh, <laughs> the notes I wrote for this song was uh, this song gives me serious B fifty twos vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can totally see that. I, I one thing that I, I like about it, like the lyrics specifically, is that this is like kind of a funny song. Like in spite oh. of kind of the dark stuff yeah. that you were just saying that it's about, I feel like we don't have very many kind of like you know not even like that there are jokes in the lyrics, but that. It feels kind of like jokey and lighthearted in a way that we don't usually do. Like we're usually yeah. more like angry or emotional or whatever it might be. And I feel like that kind of fits with the B-52s too. Maybe yeah. Think about that. I don't like that. Oh, you don't like that it's funny? <laughs> I don't think it's I don't funny. think it's like a jokey I, Well, I was saying I don't think it's jokey, but it's like, I don't know. Like it's just like more lighthearted than like the other songs. The lyrical content. It's kind of like, oh well, we're all gonna die anyways. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty nihilistic. (laughs) Let's let's die under a bunch of Amazon packages. Yeah, exactly. Bleep Amazon. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're not. It's like no advertisement for Amazon. Yeah, I actually I deleted my Amazon account a few months ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I've been struggling with trying to do that myself, but I rely on it for so many things right now, and it's like I need to not do that. Yeah, we actually managed to do it too, and it it did feel good. Yeah, we signed up for the No Music for Ice, um, like the initiative that's going on to like remove musicians from the Amazon streaming platform. Yeah. So Get Better Records removed all their artists from that platform. Yes. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. That reminds me. I still need to do that with all the records that I've put out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been to do that. So thank you for that reminder. I'm so glad that we have weekend. people who will just do that for us. Right. Yeah. Have to yeah. Think about it. yeah. Must be nice. You know, I have to do it myself. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're the other side of this. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm glad that you finally made the reference because, like, early, early on, you you dropped a B-52s reference, and I was like, all right, like, I'm waiting for, like, when this comes around full circle and you tell us why. So I'm glad you finally said it. Oh, I, I don't think I need to explain it. It's very obvious why. Explain yourself. No, I don't feel we need to explain my art to you, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Caleb, all right, so... Uh, is there anything else y'all want to plug or mention before we uh, wrap up the podcast here? Um, uh, you can find us on the internet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, life this, online. This is going to be on the I internet. I mean, like, it's <laughs> the thing. Like, our, all of our, like, socials are at Bach Band, all one word. And you can find us Spelled everywhere. B-A-C-C-H-A-E. Band. B-A-N-D. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Once I accidentally... We'll, we'll put links. Like, I accidentally... We'll like, put links in the show notes for everyone. Okay, all right. Once I accidentally introduced ourselves at a show, I was like, we are Bakai Band. And everyone looked at me and I was like, that's not, no, we're not Bakai Band, we're just Bakai. I was like, sorry. Life online, man. Life online, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, can we talk about the album cover real quick? Yeah, let's Please. talk about the album cover real quick. 
I was hoping somebody would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Katie designed it. Yeah, so that was an internal design. Um, we went back and forth about how we wanted the album cover to be. Like, we went through several different options before landing on the sort of, like, ink blots and the Rorschach um, test kind of images. And those are all public domain. So, like, we can use them and none of us are in the psychiatric world professionally. <laughs> so we won't get, like, in trouble. <laughs> We think. I mean, we're speculating. We're speculating, yes. I, like, your mom yelled at you. (laughs) My parents are both psychologists, and they saw the album cover, and my mom sent me a string of panicked texts because she was worried that we were violating uh, psychologists' ethics code. (laughs) And she she didn't realize that the Warshock inkblots are public domain, and so she accused me of going into her files and taking the original ink blots and using them wow. for the album cover. I was like, Bob, have you been online in the last 20 years? <laughs> they're on Wikipedia. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But there is a, a an interesting Wikipedia section on the controversy of um, having those be in public domain and be, like, publicly available now because it does obviously change... Um, someone's uh, reaction yeah. to, like, getting a Rorschach test if they've seen them before, even if just um, subconsciously. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is not a... It was not a purposeful Husker Du reference, uh, but uh, I only realized after the fact that Everything Falls Apart has uh, yeah. inkblot cover, but I'm very happy about it but they as use, an accidental thing. Yeah, but no, they, they didn't use, use different like, inkblots. different... Like, the, yeah, and yeah. I think those were, like, made up. Yeah, because it wasn't yeah. public domain. Yeah. Was it? Someone was like, oh, I like the Husker Du reference. And they were like, uh, <laughs> yeah. we're not. Now it is, though. We're now not it that is. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's, that's very um, complimentary as well. Yeah, yeah I'm down. But, um, He's got to tell him it's a Pixies reference because we spent all that time trying to figure out the cover of Doom. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, we're yeah. testing himself. Right. <laughs> and I mean, like, with the inkbots, like, it was just like, oh, like, we wanted to have some color on the the album as well, but, like, we kind of, like, used muted colors that weren't too bright, I feel. Like, the background is kind of tannish. It's very, like, 70s kind of vibe. Thank you. And then... I (laughs) used 70s. I modified a 70s font for the cover. Yeah, Yeah, the font's cool. And we were intentional with the six ink blots that we chose for the cover, and they all, like, have some sort of, like, connection to the songs on the album. Neat. Yeah. Well, now you have to tell us about that. I mean, why don't you tell us about impression meaning? And yeah. if you play the record backwards, you hear the sound of the devil's voice. That's it. Yeah. No, we're yeah they yeah they we're just joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> but or, I mean, like they do have like meanings like to the songs. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's real. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and talking about your record. We really appreciate it. This is a, a blast. Uh, so thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Yeah, this was so fun. So, so fun. Anytime. Remind anytime us again. you'll have uh, more new music to talk about, hit us up. We'll lo- we'd love to have you back. Yeah. Remind us again when this officially drops. So this officially drops on Friday, March 6, 2020. <laughs> 
through Get Better Records, and it's being distributed through Death Wish Records, and you can order pre-orders right now online. It's going to be on gonna, Electric Blue Vinyl. Yeah, it's a limited run of Electric Blue Vinyl. Yeah. And it's also available digitally on Bandcamp.com. And we'll have links to all of those uh, pre-orders and, and whatnot in the show notes, so uh, please, please, if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, go buy it on Bandcamp or go buy the, the vinyl because uh, as we talk about almost every week, streaming is great for, for consumers, but it sucks for bands and uh, really buying the records helps so, so much. So please, if you, uh, if you have the, the means and you like the, the music, please buy the record. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to hear uh, Life Online to, uh, to wrap up and uh, we'll catch you all next week. Hey! Hey!